So at some point we're going to come up with a standard intro for our show here, but we haven't done that yet. So welcome back to the Podcasting Guild, Babylon 5. I'm Eric, your host, and we're joined as always by Andrew. Howdy, folks. Today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at Babylon 5 Season 1, Episode Number 2. The title of the episode is Soul Hunter. Um, so yeah, why don't we just jump right into it and kind of see where we go because we still don't know what we're doing, but I guess we'll figure it out along the way because you know it doesn't matter if our format changes every episode, right? Uh, no, in fact, I think that would keep us from being held to any kind of standards, which is fine by my book. So yeah. Okay. So... Every, every episode's going to be different and yep. we're here to say that that's deliberate and not just laziness. Totally deliberate. We intended exactly. this from the start. It enhances your oral experience. That's what it does. You never know what to expect from us. Your your what experience? Oral, oral, a u a r l. Oh, oh, like you, like your aura. Is everything sexual with you? <laughs> well, oral clearly. I mean, look. Okay. This we don't want to put this in. I'm not the one who said oral in the middle of our intro. I said oral. Get it? I still can't hear the difference between what you're saying and what I'm saying. Okay. And <laughs> with that, folks, let's into do that the again. Let's do that again. My nephew's gonna listen to this. We can't talk loud. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, acoustic so, did you mean acoustic no oral <laughs> oral sound yeah yeah it's a yeah, word look oral. it up look it up okay. <laughs> i'm looking it up right now what i just want o-r-a-l right no no i just saw a-u-a-r-a-l a-u-r-a-l oral 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 relating to the ear or the sense of hearing okay exactly I, oral experience as I, I was uh, saying I concede I concede <laughs> not only are we entertaining but we're educational as well we're so educational oh my god I'm sorry we should do that again now <laughs> uh, we'll leave it in oral. whatever it's fine the first we, five we'll take care of it in post <laughs> great we'll see yeah, yeah great edit it to make to make me sound smart of course here we go that. That's what we're always going to do, right? Wink, wink. So episode, I have written down episode three, Soul Hunter, because I'm counting by HBO Max's episode count. That includes the pilot as episode one. Which includes the pilot, exactly. In which we are introduced to Dr. Stephen Franklin. The new doctor, yeah. The new doctor. He's got a few lines, but I have to say he's pretty, pretty forgettable, pretty boring. Yeah, I mean, this is very much a Delenn-centric episode. Yeah, Delenn and her slow-talking antagonist. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think this episode also highlights your running critique of the, the series so far. The ambassador's lacking any kind of cool oh, or chill. You oh, know? you better believe I wrote down, <laughs> I took notes about how more more examples of ambassadors with no self-control yeah speaking of which i mean the commander himself is is basically an ambassador and he's out what grappling ships i know 
And oh my god, well that's so ladies and gentlemen, that's how this episode opened was there's like this ship hurtling towards the space station and the commander is like, "Well, I'm not doing anything this afternoon. I've got a clear schedule, obviously. I was going to go golfing, but instead yeah. I'm going to take a little spaceship out and try to grapple this thing mm-hmm. and stop it from crashing into the space station. But no worries if this sounds dangerous, because the plan B is if I don't grapple uh, this flying piece of space debris, this, this broken spaceship, basically, if I don't grapple it, at the very last second, you can blow it up. Totally. And the obvious flaw in this is you're still going to be next to it. You yeah. fool. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're still going to be next to it. You're going to blow it up. Even if like, even if you're, you know, half a mile away from it, right? Like there's tons of debris and shrapnel coming at you. This mm-hmm. man is a lunatic, but fortunately none of that happened. He was able to grapple the thing. And you know what I also noted was the, the torque, the horsepower, the, the braking speed he grabs onto the spaceship which is like twice the size of the spaceship he's in (laughs) and they stop on a dime they stop on a dime yep they have very good uh very good ships i have sus momentum physics wrote down because that was (laughs) sus that was sus that that didn't look like (laughs) all right anyway so that's the beginning of the episode is the commander rescues this dilapidated spaceship from just crashing into the space station which you know by the way raises the question if if something coming through the gate is just going to hit the space station if no one does anything about it like that's what are you doing like that's like putting the un at the bottom of it of an off-ramp yeah and just hoping everyone (laughs) slows down or turns or something you know what are you doing uh yeah so another bit of you know questionable infrastructure yeah it's a fair criticism well and you know feel free to jump in eric i feel like i have a lot of beats i want to talk Mm -hmm. about but i don't do a good job of actually walking people through what happened in the episode so that's what i'm attempting to do here yeah is you know articulate the the actual events of the episode so the commander you know brings in this broken ship and who's in it i'll tell you who's in it the the creepiest dude we've met yet he's super creepy yeah i think their whole character design was just how can we make them as creepy as possible Mm -hmm. so they talk really slow about creepy stuff like dying they talk a lot about dying and they've got you know weird wrinkles like a lot of the aliens and kind of a third eye in the middle of their forehead and they're basically a race a profession it's not clear the show kind of blurs the lines but they're basically creepy death monks oh i'm sorry you know what spoiler alert we should we should yeah you know i'm getting ahead of myself here we don't know who they are yet yeah so uh, so firstly they bring up the ship right and uh, they open up the ship and the guy is unconscious and they take him to the med lab and within the med lab they have to create an atmosphere for him all this stuff. and then they stabilize him and they he eventually wakes up um one of the things i was interested in is like you know there's no commentary on how everyone knows english right oh, um, yeah. and this oh, kind of yeah. hints at that a little bit in that this guy 
is speaking English, but he knows it because he visited Earth before. So that kind of presupposes that all the other ambassadors had learned English at some point and were taught in, you know, because when you look at some of the other sci-fi TV shows and stuff like that, you just kind of presume that they have some sort of universal translator or something like that, right? But here, evidently, the interactions between the various species depend on those species knowing each other's languages. Which is yeah, which I have to say is kind of a risky choice to make because it really limits your ability. You know, now every character who's going to have a speaking role, you either need to like have speak gibberish, make mm-hmm. up a new type of gibberish for them to speak and then have like subtitles, or they need to have an excuse for why they know English. Yeah. Or you can have those awkward, they talk in alien and our protagonist <laughs> responds in English like that's not super rude you know like yeah. yeah i understand what you're saying and presumably i speak your language but uh mm-hmm. but no this is this is babylon 5 we speak english here yeah. okay we speak i was gonna say murican but i don't know what's the earth equivalent <laughs> earth Earthican, yeah solarian from soul right so um, if I, I remember Firefly correctly, did an interesting choice of yeah. incorporating a lot of Mandarin. Yeah, I like that about language. I definitely like that about Firefly, like how it incorporate other languages from Earth, not just English. Yeah, right. What the Earthers spoke. Uh, if I recall correctly, though, there is a character later on that has a translator of sorts that he carries around with him. But I just thought that was interesting how this character clearly struggled for a moment remembering how to speak English, and then he kind of. So they got it back under his feet, if you will. Yeah, he. thank God he remembered his very death-centric vocabulary <laughs> so he could creepily narrate deaths. And then chant uh, creepily. Yeah, yeah, yeah the they gave a full like 15 minutes of airtime of this episode to this dude creepily narrating and chanting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, before they did any of that, though, when he was still unconscious, we had another example of these ambassadors have the self-discipline of toddlers. Not even, Mm -hmm. you know, Delane grabs Garibaldi's gun. Oh, my God. Like grabs the gun off the security offer and and just straight up tries to off this dude. Right. And Sinclair wrestles it from her hands like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Uh and, you know, I have to like this is totally on brand for these ambassadors. These ambassadors mm-hmm. have have no decorum, no professionalism. It's uh, it's chaos. It's chaos out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's grabbing security officers' guns. It's ridiculous. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I just wanted to call out the <laughs> the sort of lack of professionalism there. Yeah. But then she, she did she apologize. She did apologize. She she basically said these are soul hunters. Yeah, and if the name didn't tell you what they did, she goes on to explain that they take your soul when you die. They take it mm-hmm. or steal it is what she says. They steal right. it. And this is bad. Although she never says they kill you for it or they do bad things with it. She mm-hmm. just, just says they steal it. Right. You know, one, one argument is, well, if you're done with it, isn't that upcycling, right? Isn't that yeah. what recycling is all about? But apparently this is scary enough that she was, you know, willing to steal a gun and just cap this brother <laughs> right, right on the operating table. Yeah. While he's so unconscious. So cold-blooded. Yeah. So, so while he's unconscious. Oh, cold as ice. Yeah. And it's, 
you know, this is a bit of world building, you know, talking about the Mimbari belief system and also a little character building for Dr. Franklin as he dismisses it as hogwash or, or whatever. It's a minor bit of uh, world building that uh, will come into yeah. play later on. Well, probably, you know, so. while you're commenting on, on the world building and the doctor, you know, dismissing it, he did more than just dismiss it. There was a little line at the end of the episode where mm-hmm. he tells Sinclair, he's like, you know, careful with that kind of talk could get you, uh, I don't remember, sent on a long vacation or something <laughs> like that or, or sent away. Yeah. Which I took to mean like, oh, you'll be committed, which is <laughs> yeah. crazy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. to have what, no matter what your opinion on a soul is to have to be like involuntarily committed or fired because of it i mean that was an ominous implication there of you know yeah. sort of uh okay but that's way at the end of the episode we're, mm-hmm. we're we're getting ahead of ourselves but yeah after she sort of explains to him that oh it's kind of a boogeyman like she literally says uh he comes for children's souls you know it just sounds like a boogeyman uh, right a story they, they were told as kids and Sinclair is just like chuckling. I was like, oh, ho, ho, you know, I've never seen you so worked up. You do, like, dude, she just tried to murder this dude in cold blood. Does nobody else remember how the first episode was a murder mystery? Right. Like, and every, everyone's trying to casually murder each other in, in you know, every uh, subsequent episode here. Yeah. Okay. And also there's no commentary on how delenn is being very essentially racist or speciesist right condemning the entire species for the actions of what well, might be a minority we don't know that right so, yeah exactly and well, she's supposed to be an ambassador kind of blur, right right yeah exactly she's supposed to be an ambassador all these ambassadors they're so hot-headed it's like can yeah. you imagine can you imagine if the people we sent <laughs> what you know i guess after well who knows uh, maybe the un really works like this <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're not there, so you can't say for sure. Oh, spe- you know, my next note here is, so we cut to the soul hunter waking up. Oh, waking up because he's, there's like a someone playing a shell game in one of the, I guess the poor areas of Babylon 5. The, yeah. The slums. And this is a bit of world building that they use to, you know, show that the, this guy can sense death. And so, okay, anyway, he's awake. And he's a bit tubby, I have to say. <laughs> a little tubby. His, a little tubby. His uniform is stretched a bit at the <laughs> at the tubby at, t- at the tummy area, uh, which makes me wonder if souls are high in calories. I imagine it could be. I mean, it's a lot of energy, right? At least according to them. Yeah, they definitely could be. You know, and speaking of which, you know, when they had this scene with the shell game and the guy running from the dude he just cheated. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of like cavernous, labyrinthine, unused space yeah. in this space station. Like you'd think space would be at a real premium. Mm-hmm. But no, there's just like you'd think you'd for storage at the very least. But no, just these cavernous winding hallways that people can run through. Yeah. Pretty surprising, I have to say. Doesn't seem like an economical use of what must be very precious space. Yeah, and they don't really get into that in this episode, but throughout this season, I think they kind of talk about, you know, why there is a, a poor population on the station and why there are, like, those unused areas of the station, you know, like, oh, 
we ran out of budget, you know, to <laughs> develop that, you know, so just kind of sitting there empty or, you know, it's part of the industrial part of the station, that sort of stuff. So there, you do see more of that later on, but they haven't done a very good job of really painting the picture of the station as of yet. But I think we'll get into that a bit more. Unfortunately, this episode doesn't really explain a lot of that, to your point. But you know, you know, my thinking is like, it's cheaper to build new land to add new literal dirt to a coastline to build out more more coastline for a city than it is to build livable space in outer space yeah it's just it seems like a it's like downtown manhattan just had a i guess they do have a big central park see if it was nice green space that would be one thing but it's just (laughs) like bordering hallways all right yeah. I've said my bit. Oh, my next note really brings us. So anyway, the, the, this world building chase ends in with a dude being stabbed, which leads to probably my favorite part of the episode, <laughs> which is the rocket coffin. Yes. Like not only, you know, even even naval burials, they generally just wrap you up. Mm-hmm. But here, here, even the ne'er-do-wells, even the, the paupers get their own coffin and not just any coffin, but a coffin with a rocket. You oh, a rocket ship. To the back for it to shoot you into the sun. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it, you know, it makes sense because you don't want it just floating outside the station forever, right? Then you got to deal with you know, debris outside. I suppose. Yeah, no, I suppose it does make sense. I, I mean, I guess. I don't you know. know. I'm sure by that point in human history or human, the future of humanity right solid fuel rockets will be relatively cheap so you can just get a couple strap it to a, a container and call I, it good i mean i guess i don't know maybe we steam engines have been around for a long time we don't just throw them away with everyone <laughs> we bury you know that's fair yeah uh, anyway rocket coffins was my next note uh, mm-hmm. all right where where does that bring us in the episode what happens next so um, at this point delenn came back and talks a little bit to the soul hunter and then he mentions satai and her being part of the gray council kind of talking to that thing if you remember from the pilot episode when jacquard brought up the gray council she used her super rings to almost crush him with six gravities that's right that the ambassador thunderdome number one yep (laughs) There may be future Thunderdome ambassador. Oh, I yeah. With these ambassadors, I mean, these are, you know, these are the real housewives of Babylon <laughs> Five. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they. It's almost like they're playing it up for drama. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here we go. So you're right. There was a lot of character building with Delenn. Yeah, and they kind of hint at her history too, and how she was there at the death of their leader before the Earthman Bar War started, and then the. Uh, the soul hunter remembers stuff or I, I couldn't tell if he was like reading her mind or remembering things from things he had seen in the past from souls he had captured or something and was talking to different things and Dylan leaves and then he escapes um, by tricking one of the guards to come in and check on him by feigning dying or whatever and then the next the whole next act of the episode is all about trying to find him that's right yep so he, he's escaped into the station and that you know there wasn't much of a b plot this episode was there there was really no not really the soul yeah. hunter very much uh, a dylan centric episode i did enjoy you know the little back and forth between the the bridge commander and the doctor 
Mm-hmm. which ends with him saying, oh, well, aren't you a pessimist? <laughs> she says, I'm Russian. We yes. understand these things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that. that's an ongoing character trait of hers. Oh, I, I see, I see. Repping, repping Russian, at least personality traits. Yeah, at least for the first few episodes of the season and things like that, she'll do that as they establish her as a character. So I think it's kind of fun and, and cute to have that little bit of humor yeah, i agree one of, one of the best little bits of dialogue and I, the next scene was one of my favorites of this episode which mm. was the culprit the antagonist of the episode is escaping and he's like in the seedy parts of the station right and he finds a giant praying man i was wondering if you're gonna bring that up <laughs> oh, of course i'm gonna bring it up well and not only did he find a giant praying mantis but the set that they were on you know, it was it was misty at their feet, and it yep. had these sort of mottled green walls. It looked like a low-budget Alice in Wonderland set. Yeah. it's He's talking to this giant praying mantis, and they both have this cadence of speech, which is, like, <laughs> slow and ominous. Yeah. Right? Wait, so it's, it was a lot Don't forget, of like, it's not just any praying mantis. This guy runs, like, the mafia on the station. <laughs> oh, oh, he's the Don. Yeah, he like, saw the two guards outside of his his room there. Oh, that's right. But they, those guards didn't want nothing to do. They were those were terrible guards. Yeah, they were pretty bad. He was just like, let me pat. And, you know, later it's just they've never met him. Yeah, they don't know <laughs> who this guy is. Uh, he's just like, let me pass. I look kind of scared. And they're like, oh yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> it's terrible guards. I fire yeah. them. Those are awful. But yeah, then he talks to this praying mantis, and yeah, it's a lot of ominous chit chat. You know, a lot of like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. I need that which I seek. You know, like <laughs> slow plotting. Yeah. <laughs> sort of back and forth. Anyway, I enjoy I really enjoy the giant uh, praying mantis. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Obviously, it's still fairly low budget, right? So, but Battle 5 wasn't the last sci-fi series by any means to use puppeteering in their show um i remember andromeda when that came out had quite a lot of puppeteering in it and i just couldn't stand that it's just like the puppets in there just like oh my god it was so horrible and i know like a lot of people love andromeda and it has its supporters and things like that but the puppeteering i just couldn't get past that right i think yoda you know yoda was such a hit yeah and it was such like a it was such a fun fact that he was a puppet you know i Mm -hmm. I think you know that really made it okay to use puppets and i think yeah they don't you know they don't hold up all that well no they they don't even at the time they didn't look great i mean it was clearly a guy in an awkward suit with like extra arms and stuff like that and (laughs) it's like oh man this is one of the reasons why i really wish they would you know, do an HD remaster of the show so they can, like, yeah. just put a CGI character in there for that. Just keep the voice, but do a CGI character for that. Right. That would be awesome. I mean, it's a shame how expensive CGI is. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, was expensive like at almost... the time, too. Oh, yeah. Um, apparently well, less anyway, expensive. I did, than, I did yeah. love the Praying Mantis. Yeah. And then <laughs> the Soul Hunter somehow manages to get past security in the ambassadorial wing using his oh yeah mantis contact well, hold, hold on <laughs> that's right he asked the mantis he's like oh the service i want to purchase from you is i want you to show me 
all the secret places in Babylon 5. Yeah. Which seems like, a t- given the scale of the station that we've been shown so far, that, that seems like a monumental task for like <laughs> half an afternoon. Right? Especially or for a praying mantis. I mean, how hard is it for him to know these things? <laughs> right? Just keep a low profile. You're an eight foot tall, <laughs> bright green praying mantis. Yeah. <laughs> Your camouflage was not intended for a spaceship. Nope. Oh, oh hi there, Boda. He might do well in the botanical gardens, though. He might, yeah. he might do okay there. Exactly. Or with, you know, whatever that species was in the pilot that eats their mate. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that has praying mantis written all over it. That sounds perfect. Yeah, totally. If And I got the impression this was a male praying mantis. So I imagine the female ones are even larger in that case. Because that's, the, that's oh, how I it is in nature. I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> female praying mantis have no trouble getting past those guards. Yeah. Those pansy, pansy-ass guards. It is. They didn't put up any resistance. Not you, at all. you live even a little intimidating. And then yeah. they only they don't only let you through, they they physically cower to the side. <laughs> yeah. He really uh, needs better guards. You know, my next note is Garibaldi is right as always, and he is. In mm-hmm. in a scene they kind of call out how absurd it is for the commander to be going and doing all these missions himself. Yep. And he's like, you know, what about my job? It's, it's like, what, I need some job security or something. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm with Garibaldi on this, dude. You have you have a guy. You have a yep. guy to go do all this stuff. How is your schedule this open that you're grappling spaceships at the beginning? And what was he about to do? Oh, oh yeah, he was going to, again, personally take a little he's gun. Going to lead go the investigation. Yeah, exactly. For the second time. Two out of three episodes lead an investigation. Yeah. Lead invest the kind of investigation where you sneak through corridors with a drawn gun. Okay, it's leading the SWAT team investigation then. <laughs> yeah. Second time in three episodes. Well, this I like guy, how they called it out. Though, death right? wish. They called yeah, it out. It's true. And At least they're they self aware of it. But they call it out and kind of and then Garibaldi just chuckles and goes on his way and it's like, Man, you should at least go with him right yeah. that's your well, boss maybe he's hoping for a promotion when he gets shot you know right but they already established that uh sinclair was like the only reason garibaldi had this job right 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 anyway. yeah well so <clears throat> the reason here the reason that Sinclair's going on this manhunt is because uh-oh the antagonist uh, uh mr evil soul hunter kidnapped elaine he got her yep. he escaped he used his his seedy knowledge of the secret tunnels of Babylon Five to get to her chambers, and he's kidnapped her. Oh, oh, we forgot! A good soul hunter showed up. Another yes. dude showed up, and literally, in in creepy slow soul hunter language, was like, "Yo, this dude, this dude's cray." He's crazy even for uh, us. Yeah, he's crazy even for us. He's he's out there murdering people to get their souls, which which he and then he leans and he's like, which we do not accept. We're not cool with that. Like, <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's basically like, this dude's about to kill someone, and then he's like, well, after you kill him, we'll find him and we'll and we'll you know 
take care of him so it won't be yeah. a problem and sinclair's like oh he's not gonna kill anyone the soul hunter's like well we're kind of never wrong about this kind of <laughs> thing so yeah he's definitely gonna kill someone yeah. uh and, and and you know and then and then sinclair dramatically goes off he's like we'll see about that and he did see about that because he intercepted the evil antagonist before he was done killing Delane, which which I have to say, he had he had all day. This was a very Princess Bride style execution. If you remember that scene where where they're you know, they're kind of torturing the, the main Wesley. character to death. Yeah, Wesley, but it's yeah. with this machine that takes forever to suck fractions of your life away right yeah that that's what this was it was like 20 minutes of build-up yeah he uh, was like basically bleeding her dead right he's like cutting yeah, through her foot Ble- well, yeah, exactly please like, i don't want you to suffer so i'm just gonna have you bleed out through your foot for well, for ages maybe major arteries from mbari are in their feet good good point it was Good. pointed out in the previous episode that Centauri don't have major arteries in their arms or their wrists, so you never know. Yeah, in their wrists, right? Which you know, how do their fingers work? Yeah, with minor arteries, I guess, not major ones. Yeah, <laughs> not the major ones, just the minor ones. Just the minor ones. But specifically, the thing that was taking forever to slowly bleed her to death was this soul machine mm-hmm. that was going to like take her soul right as she died right. i think was the with was the idea yeah and turn on this soul light bulb little glass jars that they yeah. that, you know glowed with souls and there was the, they had a what a gunfight right mm-hmm. different guns this and time different just little pistols very very james bond-esque gunfight yeah. this one yeah and spoiler alert our heroic protagonist sinclair was victorious and as he sort strode of. forward to rescue her, rescue her, to rescue <laughs> Delane. Oh no! The the other guy was only wounded and and came out and they had a fist fight. Again, this right. is like fist fight at least number two in three episodes. Like this dude. <laughs> this guy has a death I've wish. Worked, I think I've worked at that. places for years <laughs> without getting in a single fist fight. I know this guy. Like just saying. All right. Yeah. But but he he beats them and they they have some more things like you know where soul hunter is like no we save souls otherwise they die and they're lost forever but i have to say the protagonist didn't seem that convinced and the the assumption seemed to be that we the audience wouldn't be convinced either yeah that we would not be like oh yeah he's saving the souls but i I don't think the show made it obvious that he wasn't saving the souls right it was sort of left up to yeah it was interesting that sinclair didn't really entertain that idea at all there was a brief scene there because like he had a collection of other souls and like little globes and there was a brief scene just before he ends up dying you know you see the other globes like starting to cover and stuff and look like they're being aggressive towards him or not so it kind of gives the impression that he's imprisoning these souls against their will or at least whatever those entities are, whether they're souls or not, is still unclear. That is true, that they all kind of rose up. But, you know, I was I thought that was because they just explained that, well, he's never gotten souls. He's always too late. 
Right. So he decided to stop waiting and go and, and start murdering people. So I assumed all those souls in his bag were people he murdered. Maybe, yeah. And that's why they didn't like him. But maybe just being in the being in the little Pokeball in general is <laughs> you know, not a That's not how a they get experience. Pokemon in the balls in the to begin with, right? Yeah, you know, Pokemon, if you actually think about it, there's a reason you only ever have cartoons. It's a pretty dark concept. Yeah. That if you ever did it in live action, <laughs> you might not be able to get away with. It might be kind of gruesome, too, when you think about it. I know, I know. Look, <laughs> can you imagine, what if we kept our dogs in yeah. balls and we only let them out to fight each other? How, mm-hmm. how awful would that be? It'd be pretty, uh, pretty awful. Oh, I also love how, you know, after he started fighting with the villain and listening to his villainous speeches about how he's actually saving these souls, there's a moment, because the machine is running this whole time, and there's a moment where he's like, oh yeah, Delane's being murdered. I should probably <laughs> fix that. Yeah. Like, looks back behind him, then he looks back to the to the bad guy, looks back behind him like, oh, I'll use that. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, but exactly. It felt like like twenty seconds elapsed where he's just yeah. sort of letting Delane be murdered in the background by this machine, <laughs> while he listens to this monologue. Well, you gotta give the villain his monologue, right? Any good good bad guy needs a good monologue. It's true. It's true. And unfortunately for Delane, he just was a slow talker. So that's uh, the drawback with these guys. They just talk yeah, really, really slow. Monologue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Um, they didn't answer the question if Soul Hunter was a race or a profession, but mm-hmm. they did at least show that there, you know, there was divergences of opinion within their ranks at the very right. least. And uh, this guy seems to have been an anomaly. They don't normally murder people. I guess they're just, just creepy, creepy guys that come creepy over guys. when you're dying and steal your soul when you die, oh, something wonderful. like that. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Wonderful. I can see it as a, you know, it's an excellent sort of narrative device. Uh, if you want to make sure the audience knows the stakes are high, just have one of these guys show up and be like, oh, someone's going to die. Mm-hmm. Except I bet half the time someone doesn't die. I bet, you know, after they spent all episode telling us how soul hunters just know and they're never wrong. Well, they were wrong yeah. this time. They're wrong this time. That's yeah. one. That's oh for one <laughs> so far. Not a good track record. Yeah. I think there might be future episodes where you might see soul hunter ships in like the background, like space battles and stuff like that. But I don't remember if, if that's the case. So might keep an eye out for them and see if they show up. I will keep an eye. I'd be disappointed if they didn't bring soul hunters back. They're they're yeah. a great bit of characterization, an excellent mm-hmm. bit of. I don't know. They seem they're so evocative. Uh, I guess they at the end of the episode they were like, "Don't ever come back." Maybe the makeup was too expensive. Yeah, uh, I mean, you saw they spent a lot of makeup, a lot of money on the the Mantis makeup. Oh yeah, budget God. was tight in the makeup budget department. Was <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty good Mantis. Like its mouth parts moved when it talked. Yeah, it's just between the giant Mantis and like the steam. Mm-hmm. It just it really it felt like a play. Yeah, you know, it, it did. felt like a stage production. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. I don't know. I love I love the mist of sketchiness. Like mm. everyone knows sketchy activities don't happen at like an <laughs> Applebee's or a Holiday Inn. They happen in places with misty floors, you know, yeah, colored like... lighting 
and you can't see your feet. That's how you know this is the place to do sketchy things. Yeah, if you're ever in a graveyard at night and there's mist there, something bad is going down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, perfect. What do spooky graveyards and you know matrix-esque nightclubs have in common they so much steam and smoke you can't see your feet (laughs) yes exactly it needs something to obscure all the bad stuff happening well overall i thought it was a great a great episode yeah Uh, you know you can you can sort of start to feel even even just now in episode two or three depending on how you count you Mm -hmm. can already sort of see the the cadence that the show is going to find and, right. and you know have a, a monster of the week with a bit of progressing the overarching plot so yeah. you know i love that i've tried and true uh, mm-hmm. so, so you know it was as far as a monster of the week goes i thought this was a brilliant one and i thought it did a good job of sort of you know foreshadowing that you know delane's a wily character she has her secrets mm-hmm I, you know, but again, the sort of lightness with which Sinclair treats her and kind of just chuckles at the things she says and treats her like an old buddy, it really clashes with the, with the bloodlust that we've seen from her. (laughs) Yeah. She is not shy to immediately choose violence. Right. Yeah. And I I think you're correct in that this was kind of the establishment of that cadence going forwards where maybe not monster of the week per se but semi-self-contained episodes that have ties and threads going through them that tie into other episodes and story arcs throughout the series and season is what we're starting to see here and yeah there will be like episodes that are a bit more involved with the overarching story and some that are a little less involved but that's essentially the case that we're looking at going forwards here and you know to be honest this is one of my least favorite episodes of the show. Um, <laughs> what? Why is that? What? About I don't know. I, I think it was. Appeal? I think it. A lot of the, a lot of it comes down to the overacting that happened here. They still were kind of getting their their feet under them in terms of like how the characters are and kind of the, their mannerisms and stuff like that. So they they really I agree with you. I think they put a lot of weight on the 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 sort of ability of the actor playing the bad soul hunter to to be creepy enough with his talking yeah that it would carry the weight of the threat through the episode mm-hmm. uh and i'm not sure if it did i i yeah it was it it, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't poorly done but it was sure. definitely a style it was really over yeah overwrought, yeah i thought yeah it, that overwroughtness i think is what carried the day for me in terms of my opinion of the episode but i think it says a lot that you enjoyed it and at least to my mind this is one of the worst episodes so it gets better from here <laughs> so okay. i mean the the sinclair going out to grapple the spaceship seconds before it impacted with the backup to be to blow it up <laughs> seconds before like yeah that that all is a bit silly it's yeah like, do you understand totally. that explosives uh affect the things around them mm-hmm. as well yeah and like you said earlier it would also create a debris all over the place and right yeah you know, it's not like they have weapons that can vaporize a ship right away as that was evident in the prior episode where they're blowing up the raiders right they just kind of blow them apart right so you're gonna have debris all over the place not only coming out your ship but also the station right so right well and the thing is in space 
right? There's not air to slow down the shrapnel. Right, it just keeps going. So, so you can be very far away from an explosion by conventional standards, miles away, and still be in in a lot of danger of having this very high velocity, tiny bits of metal, you know, tear you apart. Oh, you know, someone 10,000 years down the road gets uh, hit by it if it keeps going, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly, exactly, you know. I mean, we don't know what Babylon 5 is in orbit around, or is it in orbit around anything? Is it just... uh, it's in orbit around, uh, it's in neutral territory, in orbit around a desolate, uninhabited planet uh, in a star system. You know, it seems like if you had all, this whole planet, just build the thing on the planet. But maybe not. Maybe it's too expensive to get on and off planet. Yeah, I imagine it's it's a bit more difficult getting on and off planet. This is a society that doesn't have transporters, right? So they just have to go through atmosphere and stuff like that doesn't which you know thank god mm-hmm. transporters are a bit a bit sus too right i mean yeah. if you're what disassembling your atoms and reassembling different atoms to remake you is that still you or did you die on that transporter we can floor? get into a whole philosophical discussion about that but i think that might bore our listeners to death so <laughs> well all i'll leave of off them. with this when i run <laughs> dungeons and dragons games my answer is you die when you teleport, and that's a new version of you. <laughs> All right, we're getting yes. we're getting off into the silly weeds we are, here. We are. But yeah, I I mean you know it's it was a fun episode, a bit to laugh at, uh, mm-hmm. but a sort of satisfying you know bit of classic sci-fi as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, and I definitely liked a lot of the world building aspects of it, but I think just overallness of it really didn't sell it for me. So I think that really was the end for my take on that did you have a favorite character in the episode since your favorite character from the last two episodes wasn't in this episode i know i know i have to admit i was pretty disappointed (laughs) that londo didn't make an appearance yeah i mean i have to say the uh the bridge commander i'm russian we understand these things you know i wasn't in love with the antagonist delane's okay delane's all right maybe i'll like her more but you know she's kind of she's she's kind of like a bland saltine <laughs> yeah she doesn't she's get more characters for a little while. she's fine but yeah. but uh yeah i don't know I have, to, I have to say none of the characters in this episode really really stole the show mm-hmm. in my opinion but I, I like garibaldi as always the doctor was fine the doctor was okay you always need someone because in sci-fi it's never clear what's ridiculous and what isn't so it is nice to have someone be like oh so stealing souls that's ridiculous and, right uh, you know, you're like, oh, okay, okay, that's something that's still ridiculous. Although, you know, is the is the canon that there are souls in Babylon Five? There are for sure souls, and they can be uh, hunted or stolen or you know preserved or whatever. Those are for sure souls. Well, I don't know that it is necessarily spoken of in that sense. Certainly, it's a belief of the Mimbari, but it's not clear that everyone holds that same belief, and if that is like demonstrated well the soul hunter definitely mentioned a soul right so he clearly thinks that the english word for soul is the appropriate way to describe what he hunts mm-hmm. uh, but anyway uh, 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 interesting bit of theological world building there yeah and we'll see a bit more of that deeper dive into the various religious beliefs in the coming episodes but you know it's it's not a series that kind of holds monolithic view on one thing or another it's entertains different 
opinions on and different viewpoints in most areas and so i don't think the show as a whole has an agreement in terms of if souls exist and that sort of thing but it's certainly mentioned and talked about from different perspectives it's kind of cool uh, from that standpoint yeah so that wraps up oh, be great. the review of the episode um the next episode we're going to be looking at is born to purple um which is a malari centric episode so you're going to be happy about that Ambassador Malari makes a return for Sounds that like one. someone's was born to be a ruler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And before we wrap up our episode here, I just want to make note that I saw Dune last weekend. Totally got to see it. If you love sci-fi, check it out. Who knows when we're going to release this episode, but if it's released when Dune's still in theaters, you should totally check that movie out. They're not sponsoring us. Maybe they will. <laughs> Doubt it, but still go see it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to debate if I should just watch it you know on my computer i mean you you still enjoy the story but i think it's an experience to be had in the theater if you cannot can't do that at all right so just the visuals and the the scale of it i think warrants watching in a theater if you can worth wearing a mask for two and a half hours Mm -hmm. totally totally (laughs) well thanks thanks as always eric for guiding me through thinking about uh babylon 5 yeah well sounds like we're enjoying it so far and as always good eating to you (laughs) good eating to you